Hey, everybody. Isn't it still so amazing to actually come together in person? Are you feeling that kind of like woohoo-ness? Yeah. Welcome home, everyone. If you're online with us, no matter what the platform is, we're so glad you chose to be with us today. If you're here for the very first time, can you raise your hand just so I can see? Oh, wow. We're glad, you, we're glad you found us. We hope that you'll come back. We hope that you'll feel at home and be here with us today. Um, Phil, will you be embarrassed if I invite you to come up and say hi? That sounds like a yes. OK, I won't. <laughs> um, we've added a new uh, consulting power to our ministry, uh, the Reverend Phil Tom, who's here with his wonderful wife today, who's also a Presbyterian minister. We are going to put both of them to such great work. No, we're just so glad. Welcome home. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much. Um, today is November 6th. The election is on Tuesday. Have you voted? Yeah, yeah me too. You going to vote if you haven't? Yeah. Okay. I shall not embarrass you and ask you who did not raise their hand. But we're going to assume that you're going to go and, um, go and do that. We've got some celebration today of voting. Uh, we'll hear a little bit about that a little later today. Uh, let me let you take a look at the bulletin and find out the things that are happening. One of the things that Middle is trying to do this week is to keep on having conversations about voting. Because what we know is true is that people are feeling some kind of way about the nation. And sometimes that makes us stay home and be apathetic. But beginning today, a conversation at 4 o'clock with Ruby Sales, with V, who used to be Eve Ensler, and with Amanda, and um, with uh, Nelba Marquez-Green. We're going to do vote like a mother, uh-huh, today at 4 o'clock. And you can register for that uh, by going to middlechurch.org or the links in my bio. There's a conversation tomorrow, a conversation Tuesday, a conversation Wednesday. Please come and be with us. Uh, let's share our thoughts and encourage other. Does that sound great? Our interfaith book uh, fair is coming per normal, fantastic, on November 20th, and Elise is putting that together. I'm just rehearsing the words silently. But Elise is always putting that together and doing a beautiful job. So make sure you come and be with us then. I want to take a deep breath, because I can feel that I'm talking fast. Yes, I am. Take a deep breath with me. No matter what has come our way this week, this is the transformation box where we can bring everything we have, and God can see it and love us through it, and we can hold it together in community. So with that in mind, another breath. And let us worship God with our opening hymn. Hush, hush, somebody's calling my name. Stand if you're able, or stand in spirit. But before we get to the opening hymn, we want to celebrate our birthdays. Today is November. <laughs> Do we have anybody with a November birthday in here? November! Yes, online. Is it your birthday in November? Let's sing a little song.
if you would remain standing. Okay, band, let's do it.
Good morning, middle. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Uh, the prayers of the people. Uh, take whatever posture is comfortable for you. Uh, position of prayer. Um, if you are at home and you want to get down on your knees, you know, live your best. If you're in the sanctuary, um, you know, maybe not. <laughs> but close your eyes and join me in prayer. Oh God, we thank you for yet another day in you, for bringing us together in all the ways that we are able to gather in person at East End, um, by the zeros and ones that connect us online, God, um, through all the platforms, YouTube, Facebook, our website, we are all over as a result of that, God, and able to still come together as one community. Oh God, we thank you. We thank you for that gift. We ask God that you be with us today as we listen to the sermon, as we find our way to you, as we find our way to be your hands and your feet in this world, God. Every single day, every single day, there is something that threatens to end justice. There is a threat to democracy. God, there is a threat to our livelihoods, God, and we just ask that you help us to find a way to bring love here on earth as it is in heaven, to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, God. We ask every single day, God, that you show us how to be your hands and your feet in this place, God. Lead and guide us, for we know, God, if we follow you, we're on the right path. We thank you, O oh God, for the many gifts that you give us, even the ones that we don't see every single day, God, for the um, gift of waking up every morning and being able to start fresh and anew, for the opportunity to reclaim and reframe, God, for the opportunity to rebuild, God. We thank you. We thank you. Amen. And now, will you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray um, in whatever language you know, whatever version you know. Um, if you'll stand, if you're in the uh, sanctuary, if you're online, you want to stand, carry on. Um, but there's also a version printed in your bulletin. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
and now friends, siblings, let us pass the peace, oh, that passes all understanding, the peace of God be with you. Share your peace safely and in love. Yeah. Namaste.
That was just so beautiful. Thank you so much, Les. Thank you so much. Thank you. Friends, today's scripture lesson comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 12, where Isaiah describes the, well, the beautiful city, but also the fast the God requires and desires from us. Listen now for a word of God emphasized by my friend Ishmael. Shout, 
Shout, I say, a full-throated shout. Hold nothing back. A trumpet blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family Jacob with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right-living people, law-abiding, God-honoring. They ask me, what's the right thing to do? And love having me on their side. But also they complain. Why do we fast and you don't look our way, God? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? Well, here's why. The bottom line on your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and fight. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of day I'm after? A day to show off humility, to put on a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black? Do you call that fasting? <laughs> a day that I, God, would like? <laughs> this is the kind of fasting I'm after, to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is share your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this, and the lights will turn on, and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage, and when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I'll say, here I am. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. My scripture got split uh, as I wrote the sermon there, Ashmael. I'll call you up for the end. Wasn't that amazing? Thank you so much, my brother. Will you say a prayer with me? God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And as we listen to hear a word from you, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Ishmael told me he heard a lot of Baptist preachers screaming this text. <laughs> yeah, on YouTube. <laughs> this preacher sometimes screams this text too. It's one of those texts that feels like it should be screamed. It's pretty straightforward. Calling in, calling out. The context of this, most people think, is the Babylonian exile. Post-exile, Isaiah or somebody in Isaiah's name writing to God's people. 
chastising them, clearly, for not being who God has called them to be. Now, they have reason to not be who God called them to be. They are a traumatized people, a hurt people, uh, a lost, flailing people who've been without a temple, without a space, without a place, people who have been syncretized into the religion of Babylon, Baal, intermarried people, impure people, not as holy people. But once Cyrus lets the people go back home, they begin to think, how do we find our way back to who we were in those days, in those good old days? Yeah, in those good old days. How do we find our way back uh, <laughs> to the rituals that sustained us, to the right-looking religion, to the fasting and feasting and bending and standing and praying? Do you know how many Jewish holidays there are in the fall? Like a gazillion, at least 17 and a holiday about the holiday. And all of these holidays felt to Israel that they put them in right relationship with God, and that was enough. So now they've been to Babylon, they've had a little taste of honey, a little taste of a different kind of life, and they're getting back to the ritual, but their hearts haven't been changed. In fact, their hearts have taken on a little bit of empire. In fact, they've taken on the ways of their neighbor. So even if they're doing the rituals, they're oppressing their workers. Even though they're doing the rituals, their servants are not getting paid a living wage. Even though they're doing the rituals, they have not changed their behavior back to being the people of God. They are fake. Was that too hard? <laughs> they are just a little fraudulent. And they're trying to figure out why God isn't showing up the way they want God to show up. They've got a bad theology about this, is what I'm really wanting to say. Like, if we, then God will, right? If we manipulate, if, <laughs> sorry, if we manipulate God with our rituals and our prayers and our right life and our beads and the things, then God is going to show up the way we want God to show up. This kind of theology is not unique to Israel. But Isaiah is screaming, the preachers are screaming, into that world and this world, fake, fake it till you make it isn't going to make it with God. I say fake it till you make it isn't going to make it with God. So let me just fast forward to 2022 and <laughs> just skip over centuries and drop right here into the present. I'm being playful, but I really, I really still miss my mom so much. And in these days, it was like my mother was my therapist, uh, 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 kind of like a, a free therapist. You call home, and she'd say, hey, precious, what's going on? And she could hear in my voice the things that were troubling me, and I could pour them out. And she said, girl, just keep talking. I'm listening. And that was like, again, free therapy. Um, but also, there was something about her that was a cue always to me to the world. Like, look at my mom's face and see a window to the world. How do I respond to the world since I was little, right? So I miss her as we continue to COVID, to COVID battle, even though we're pretending it's over. How many of your friends have gotten sick while COVID's over? What in the hell? Heck, folks not wearing masks on the airplane, munching and chewing and drinking drinks and shots and carrying on? Put your mask on. 
we've lost such a disproportionate number of black and brown people, I feel really offended, honestly, offended that we're pretending that COVID is over. But our society isn't built for us. So when Biden says it's over, you can wear a mask if you want to. Chinese people, black people, brown people, immunocompromised people are still gonna get sick, but our lives don't matter. And because POTUS dared to call COVID the Chinese flu, our Chinese aunties still get their butts kicked because they somehow caused this disease. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Words matter, attitudes matter, lies matter. And in this context, I miss my sweet mom's face, her words. I feel like if she was here, I'd be whining and crying. And I'd be saying, Mommy, even though the fire was two years ago, there's a fire every damn day about the fire. Right, Vicki? Every day, a fire about the fire. It does not stop burning. And aren't you traumatized by that? When you see the pictures and the flames and the go by the building? I cannot believe it. If mommy were here, I'd be saying, what about that facade, mama? What about that neighbor? And then I'd say more words that you don't want to hear me say right now. I miss her as I watch the news. I miss her every time I see a repeat of that capital insurrection called a protest. What horse caca is that? Those flag-waving, cross-bearing insurrectionists white supremacists violently protesting a fair and just election where the twice impeached incumbent POTUS doesn't win. That's how I feel, how about you? It's shocking, horrifying, mystifying, soul crushing to see that a sociopath could be elected in the first place and then be revered for being a lying, cheating, racist, sexist, anti-Semitic, xenophobic, opportunist in chief. Not mincing words today. Y'all think I have two personalities, don't you? Last week I'm all, let's let the people come. Today I'm like, insurrectionists. I know, it's on purpose. I'm a Gemini, what can I tell you? One of these things, anyway. And thousands follow him. And I used to have this like, I feel sorry for the thousands of people who were tricked by Trump. But now I think it's kind of obvious. So what's up with that? And it makes me think about those Jewish people, those Judeans who came back from Babylon. They knew what time it was in Babylon. They knew Baal was bull, haha. <laughs> they knew that that wasn't God's work and world, but yet they took it in. Did they take it in because they were traumatized? I think so. Did they take it in because they were lost and broken? I think so. I think they took it in because it made them feel good, to quote Halle Berry from that movie. It made them feel good. You know the movie I'm talking about? Halle Berry ends up in a sexual relationship with a man that killed her husband. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. If you're going to get in the bed with the man that killed your husband, you're traumatized. And you just want to feel good. And I think what we're watching right now is a traumatized people wanting to feel good. And you might say to yourself, why are the white supremacists traumatized? Let me tell something to you. <laughs> they are traumatized because this America isn't the one they thought they bought. 
they are traumatized because they be, feel replaced by black and brown people. They feel a loss and an eruption of power. They feel like capitalism only works for a few of them because they ain't stupid. And it ain't nothing trickling down. So there's a lot of grief and a lot of rage, a lot of white rage. Is everybody with me? That, that rage puts some folks in a trance. And I think they picked Trump because they wanted a mean, bad daddy to kick somebody's behind. Anybody's behind would do it. But that would make them feel better. Are you tracking? They follow him like he's a messiah. But actually, he's the antichrist. And like all the antichrists pointed to by the prophets, he's not good for us. And he's not good for them. They just don't know what else. I mean it. That's my compassionate Jackie. The other one spoke already. He's a liar, a false prophet, and that unquestioning devotion to him by a significant number of white evangelical Republicans and by some people of color, too, is frightening to me. P.S., by the way, just because you're black and you run fast doesn't mean you're qualified to be a senator. But let's come back to that another time. A little feisty today. This time smells to me of Mussolini and Hitler. It smells of fascism and Holocaust. It smells of apartheid, all of which the United States of America exported around the globe. All of this empire and white supremacy and not them but us. We sent it all around the globe. We evangelized the globe, baptized the globe in white supremacy and hatred. And some of us are really proud of it. Christian with a lowercase c. Christian-ish with a lowercase c. Asserts that chosenness and privilege and masculinity and straight is evidence of a birthright to dominate this nation and the globe and all the people in it. I don't like it. How about you? And all the good people of ferocious courage and radical truth-telling know this to be true. My brother's sister is a Republican. She knows this to be true, but doesn't know how to get out of it. She doesn't know the way out. So they may not say in mixed company or at the water cooler or at the community meeting or at the end of a Zoom meeting, they might not say, this doesn't really feel like God to me. Just like Israel knew Baal didn't feel like God to them. They knew their fake fasting wasn't really about God. We are not dealing with stupid neighbors. We're dealing with fearful neighbors. This is my new understanding that makes me think about the tactics and strategies to help them to repent, to repair as we reclaim Christian. These folks might not even go to the polls to vote because pulling the lever they know might make their stomach turn but they don't know their way out. They don't know their way out. They know there's something about the bravado and the bold-faced lying of those in power that makes them feel queasy and icky and yucky, but they don't know their way out. They know Black Lives Matter. They know what time it is. They know the economy sucks. They know science is real. They know the earth is in trouble, but they can't find their way home. 
It's a dilemma, isn't it? Are we going to hate the people who are so hateful? Still watching Fox? Drinking a beer? Acting like Mike Flynn is really somebody's angel? When in fact, he's trouble with a capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for politics? It's a political sermon this morning because Jesus was political. It's a political sermon this morning because this text is political. This text is written to a people, to a polis, to a people who understood that they had been squished and squeezed and changed and polluted and diluted, and they were not really serving God the way they wanted to, needed to, but they didn't really know their way. So Isaiah is shouting at them. Shout! Shouting at them. This is not working. So I am shouting, this is not working. This is not working. Can you believe it's not working? Can you believe Mississippi still doesn't have clean water in Jackson, but we stopped talking about it? Can you believe Puerto Rico can't be rebuilt? Can you believe it? Can you believe Flint still doesn't have clean drinking water? Can you believe the economy of a state called Mississippi in which 40% of the people live before the pop, below the poverty line? Can you believe it? Mama, if you were here, I'd say, Mama, you left Mississippi. You left Jim Crow. It still stinks, honey, down there. You left to find your thrill on Blueberry Hill with Dad on an Air Force base. And they still ain't got what they need down in Mississippi. I'd say, Mommy, they made a movie about Emmett Till, but the woman who lied on him and got him killed is still out there having gingerbread with her kids because she's old and white and no one's going to make her pay for her crime. She's free. He's dead. I'd say I'm tired of living in a country that treats black grief as a threat and white rage as a sacrament. I say I'm tired of living in a country that treats black grief as a threat and white rage as a sacrament. When we were marching out there uh, all the times, Supreme Court putting stupid man on the court, trying to make climate change real all the times we went down there and got arrested. Nobody was opening the door. Come on, baby, come, come on in here. Come on. Nobody was opening the door for us. Nobody was making a way for us. It was insane, the difference between the way those folks were treated and the way we were treated. The Capitol Police did not, you know, they were not taking pictures of us and saying, thank you, here's some water. No, that's not what happened. So let's be clear. I think if those insurrectionists were a bunch of black people, um, we'd have a whole different story right now. Be all those dead people that were on the mall, all those dead people, how do you bury them? Because they wouldn't have lived to talk about it. We keep saying that that's not who we are, but this is who we are. This is, in fact, who we are. But it's not who we have to be. It's just not who we have to be. Now, Mama, you're not here, so I can't tell you that I just found out that when I was watching you, and learning how to be a liberal activist, you had been watching your mother, my grandmother, my dear, my dear before Tyler Perry, Charles, my dear. <laughs> and my dear was, while you were watching my dear, you were watching her chopping cotton in the fields, because you were three and four years old, making $3 a day with your mother, mama. And you know who was in the fields also with them? Fannie Lou Hamer. Oh. I didn't know that. Mandy, Fannie Lou Hamer chopping cotton next to my grandmother. Yeah, sitting on the porch with my mother. 
My mother, knee baby, you know, the knee baby thing. Like my mama listening and watching and overhearing, overhearing two older black women talk about what freedom looked like, talk about voting rights, talk about how we deserve to have a just society, getting bullets shot in their windows because they're registering people to vote, but they did it. White grief hates black, excuse me, white rage hates black grief. But black grief is power. I can't talk. Black grief is power. Fannie Lou Hamer's grief was power. Took her into the world to be recruited by SNCC. After getting her behind beat, she kept on working for the kingdom because she didn't have time to die. Black grief, black grief is Martin King saying, love is justice correcting everything that stands against justice. Black grief is Jackie Lewis screaming to you in the pulpit. Black grief is all of those young people in Ferguson standing up for love is love is love is love. Black grief is power. Black grief is power against white rage. And right in here, I want you to make my grief your own. I want you to interject, to take in, to be stunned by, hurt by, wounded by the black grief of centuries of black people maligned in this nation whose lives don't matter and take that to the polls with you to vote for my life. White rage has ruled our nation. It's why we have the Klan. It's why we had segregation. It's why after church on Sunday, people took the little children, took them out to the field, had a picnic, and watched black bodies fold apart. White rage is why Congress finally granted the rights of citizenship to black men, only now for that Voting Rights Act to be gutted, for affirmative action to be gutted. White rage is why we have a white nationalist movement. Black grief is why we have civil rights. Black grief is why we've got justice. Black grief is what I want you to take with you to the polls. And yes, everything's on the ballot. Trans is on the ballot. Gay is on the ballot. Women's rights is on the ballot. Climate and science is on the ballot. All of that's on the ballot. Economic justice is on the ballot. But black grief is the central sin in this nation. The, the sin of whiteness has caused the black grief in this nation. The sin of whiteness has caused the trans issues in this nation. Are you with me? Yeah. I feel like I'm, 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 I'm so upset I'm not sure I'm clear. We have a whiteness problem. And the indigenous people suffered because of it and the black people suffered because of it and the trans and queer people suffered because of it. But my black grief is the crux, the, the, the essential wound, it, the scar is my black life. I want you to take that in. I don't want us to pretend like everything's everything, because everything's not everything. Black people's lives in this nation are still under assault. Take it to the streets. If 
way. If we. We have a movie to show. If we, the scripture says, if we stand up for each other, if we feed our kin, if we pull the naked into our household and take care of them, if we see our brothers and sisters as our people, then our light will rise up like a dawn. Then our names will be changed and we'll be called repairers of the breach and restorers of the streets to live in. If we, if we can see ourselves as inextricably connected, we can heal this land of what's broken. And that's our job. morning churches all over the world are sharing bread and cup. They do it to thank God for the gift of life and love. They do it to commune with the living God. They do it as a sign and seal of God's holy presence in the particular life of Jesus. And they do it as a meal of freedom and liberation. Today, I want us to do it as a foretaste of things to come. Jesus said he would not eat or drink again until the reign of God comes. Now, I can't fast that long. <laughs> but this moment right here is a rehearsal of that coming, of that breaking in, of that soon coming reign in which the world is healed. And we have helped to make it happen. On that night, Jesus was betrayed. And on so many nights before, Jesus took bread. 
and broke it. He gave thanks to God for it and said this, this is my body broken for you. Do this remembering me. In the same way, he took the cup and blessed it and said this, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for many. Do this remembering me. When we break this bread, and we share this cup, We proclaim God's reign on earth, right here and now. It's breaking in the promise of a healed world. Let our eating and drinking be a prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. everybody. My name is Zoe. I've been coming to Middle Church since about 2019. And what drew me to Middle is that I saw the church valued things that I valued. Helping the poor, helping immigrants, helping the poor, working people, middle class people, women, LGBTQ, that everyone was a child of God and everyone was loved and accepted. And that's a beautiful thing. And I'm very fortunate to have found Middle right before the world caught on fire, right? When we all had to kind of social distance and, and not have the access to our social networks and our supports and just felt really overwhelmed and sometimes hopeless. And then I was able to join the voter reform group. And it reminded me that hope is not lost. Hope is not dead. Hope lives in us. We did postcards, some people did text banking, some people did phone calls, even handing out flyers. And it mattered so much to me to have a space and a place and something to do. Like, Lord, I gotta do something with people who also were passionate about doing something and, and holding on to the faith that things would get better. So, I invite you all, you all who maybe been visiting for a while and you all online, to consider joining the movement. You can go to middlechurch.org slash join and sign up for a new members class. We also encourage you to consider making a donation or a pledge and you can go to middlechurch.org slash donate to do that. 
and I look forward to seeing you all again and being together and doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. And just to take a moment now to say to all of the people in the room who've been a part of the Voters Reform Group, would you please stand? If you've written a postcard or made a phone call, let's give them a hand. We've got a Fannie Lou Hammer Award that'll be presented to the top folks who Kim Irwin wrote more than 1,000 postcards and letters. Kim! <laughs> Valerie Coster and Karen Simon, Beth Eller, Carol Jew, Joanne Robinson and Stephen Victorian all wrote more than 500 postcards and letters. Woo! And, and Susan and Claudia are working the polls in their hometown, or their other town, let's say. Um, but they are the ones who've really put this voters reform group on the map. So special thanks to them, to all the leaders who do this incredible work. We're so proud of you. Thank you. In the name of Fannie Lou Hamer. And now, John. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Now we're gonna sing the offertory. Thank you. 
Holy One, Jireh, our provider, our way maker, our grace is, your grace is sufficient. God of might and grace, may these gifts represent our commitment to serving you in a real and tangible way. God, guide us, lead us through this season of decision making, challenging our voice, challenging choices, courageous conversations. God, lead us through this time of the liminal, in this in-between time. God of grace and might, help us to be more, more loving, more fortified, more connected, more connected to do your will. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Uh, remain standing if you are able. And we're going to the closing hymn, We Are Called.
So, I'm so tongue-tied. <laughs> I just feel a little crazy, wacko. Does anybody else feel that one? Okay. I hope that you're walking away from this sermon with my core message. Take me to the polls with you. Take Fanny to the polls with you. Take Emma to the polls. Take Mama Ruby Sales to the polls. Take Martin King to the polls. Take John Lewis to the polls. Take Ella Baker to the polls. Take Jimmy Johnson to the polls. Take all of those whose blood is in the soil to the polls. Yes, all of those things are on the ballot. But race is a different kind of difference, y'all. And we have not over damn come. We really haven't. So um, take me with you. Vote for my self-interest, OK? <laughs> you feel what I'm trying to tell you? Because when I'm free, you're free. Fannie Lou Hamer said, ain't nobody free till she's free. You're not free in New York. You're not free in Washington, DC. You're not free in Mississippi until we're all free. I want to be free. <laughs> that's, on the, that's on the ballot. Can we have a little take it to the streets? A little Baptist church, a little redux? A little bit. Okay, so I love you very much. And I want you to feel compassion for those who are lost, for the ones who think that Trump is Jesus. But still, we got to kick their behinds out of office, though, too, okay? All right, so that's both hands, right? We can do that, okay? So may God bless you and keep you. May God make her face to shine upon you. May God be gracious unto you and give you peace and words and joy and stamina and go to the polls. Oh, yeah.